Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Adam Talks, a podcast that takes an alternative look at retirement. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Adam Talks. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's episode, estate planning in light of the proposed tax bill. So I've spent the last, I don't know, couple weeks, it, it feels like a year since the proposed tax bill from the Ways and Means Committee was released back in September 12th. Um, wow, I've spoken to more members of Congress, senators than I ever thought I would in my lifetime. And you know, our industry has been doing an amazing job and with the help of all of you, really, and just wanted to thank uh, all, all IRA financial clients and really everyone out there listening uh, who are part of the self-directed IRA nation that are coming together and trying to educate DC members of Congress, senators, um, everyone on the Hill about the importance of the retirement system, the importance of self-directed retirement industry for helping to capitalize amazing, growing American businesses. You know, we've estimated over $200 billion of IRA funds have gone to invest in uh, private placements and various investment funds that end up supporting great American businesses and, and end up employing you know millions and millions of Americans. So I've been spending a lot of time obviously on the main uh, provisions on our industry, the two focused on uh, preventing IRAs from investing uh, in accredited investor investments and also the uh, 10% threshold slash officer which we are pretty confident that we're uh, making some really good progress in educating people and getting our word out that these provisions, number one, don't raise much money, and number two, are uh, not helpful, but in fact, extremely hurtful, not to just to investors, but to uh, businesses that rely on the $12 trillion of IRA funds for sources of, of capital. So, uh, and I spent last week talking about the um, 401k slash Roth provisions that I didn't think were getting a lot of attention and wanted to focus on estate planning just for, um, you know, a couple minutes. I am, I'm a tax lawyer. I have a master's in taxation. I am not a trust and estate lawyer. Um, so just full disclosure, I actually have a great one that's helping me on, on a bunch of tax estate planning stuff, which this is the time to do it because all the, the provisions I'm going to talk about, which essentially you're going to eliminate the grantor trust, which is a super, super powerful tool for millions of Americans that want to um, get into estate planning. Um, the provision that I'll get into in a minute will essentially eliminate the power of the grantor trust. And basically you have until the bill gets passed to do your estate planning. So it's not necessarily 1231. If the bill gets passed November 15th, then that's when these new rules apply in the estate trust in the state world. So time is the essence. No one knows effectively when this reconciliation bill will pass. Um, probably, I would say, um, before the year end, but sometime in December, probably. Um, the latest news is the infrastructure bill is not going to get voted on for at least another four weeks. And at that point, there's also going to be some time for debate on reconciliation. 
So that will take us to sometime around November and then you have Thanksgiving. So I would say maybe first two weeks of December. So there is some time um, if you are potentially looking at estate planning and just going to summarize what the two big thresholds are. Number one, the $11.7 million uh, lifetime exemption or unified credit is going to be reduced to about $6.03 million um, starting in 2022. Okay, so that's a huge drop. So essentially what that means is every person has an $11.7 million exemption, 23.4 if you're married. That means if you have assets under 23.4 and you're married, you're not going to pay any state tax federally. Okay, but if you have over that amount, then you potentially could owe 40% plus state tax on your estate. So if the threshold is reduced from 23.4 to 12.6, hey, that's going to bring a lot more people into the equation of those that could potentially be subject to a state tax. So it's not just on current wealth today, right? It's, it's, and it's not just cash. It's what your business assets are, real estate, stocks, cryptos, whatever you own is, is added together. Now, again, just to make things super clear, if you pass away and you're married, you can have an estate of $25 billion, a gazillion dollars, doesn't matter. It all goes to your spouse tax rate, right? So if Warren Buffett passes, even with $60 billion, he's not going to pay a dollar of estate tax because that money will go to his spouse tax free. When his spouse passes, that's when all the fun begins. And that's when you have to take into account your unified credit to determine how much or the unified credit of spouses to determine how much tax is owed on the um, estate side. So um, the number one trust in the state's provision that this bill attacks is it's going to reduce the lifetime credit from 11.7 to 6.03 per person, which is pretty significant. Okay. The one positive is they didn't end up eliminating the step up in basis. They just basically added a 3% tax for, you know, gains above 5 million bucks. So step up in basis still exists. So if you die and you have an estate that is worth a million or 5 million or 10 million, you will get a step up in basis, meaning whatever your, you paid for your home or your stocks or your real estate, your heirs will get a stepped up in basis to the fair market value, meaning that built-in gain will escape taxation, which is a big win for a lot of trust in the state uh, attorneys. They, they thought that that was in severe jeopardy. You know, Biden really pushed for that, um, but it didn't end up become part of this at least proposed bill. So what did happen? Well, essentially, this new bill will take away the powers of grantor trusts. Okay, grantor trusts have been used, as I mentioned, by millions of Americans over many years as a valuable estate planning. It started off as a way to basically bifurcate income because income tax, believe it or not, back in, in the day was 60 or 70%. And maybe we are getting back to that. But what people try to do is kind of reallocate income to different trusts to keep the tax rate low. But nowadays, with tax rates being lower than, than that threshold, people have used the grantor trust as a way to tax plan, right? And there's basically, I would say, eh, about four or five common types of trusts, right? There's a revocable living trust that is part of your estate, but you use for more control over your assets, as well as some uh, ability to um, get around probate. There's something called an irrevocable life insurance trust, which is used by lots of people to get their life insurance in a trust that's not part of your estate. There's something called a SLAT, a spousal, spousal lifetime access trust that a lot of 
business owners I've talked to recently are doing that with their spouses in terms of gifting part of their business to a trust that will be out of their estate. Um, and obviously there's something called um, a defective grantor trust, which is used as a way to basically sell assets to a grantor trust without tax and then having those assets not be subject to estate tax. So all these tools have been used for many, many, many years to help people uh, do estate planning and, and basically reduce the amount of their estate that would be subject to estate tax. And you know, for, for good or bad, if you from a policy perspective, whether you think it's fair or not, that's kind of the way it's worked. So this tax bill basically, if passed, these provisions will stop this. Okay, it will basically say that the last 20 years of granted trust tax planning is finito. It's over. And it's going to say that if you move anything to a, to a grantor trust, first of all, there'll be tax. And number two, it's going to be part of your estate. Okay. And that's the most important thing. It will be part of your estate. So you're not going to do it, be able to do any slats or do any of the life insurance, irrevocable trust or any of these defective trusts where you technically have access to the trust. You can tr use personal wealth to pay for the taxes of the grantor trust, which a lot of wealthy people do to keep and preserve the grantor cash for their heirs and use their own funds outside of the trust to pay the tax. Uh, that will go away. And also obviously the ability to get assets into a trust that's not part of your estate. So you'll technically still be able to do some revocable trust stuff because it's going to be part of your estate, but you're not going to be able to get it into the trust without tax in most cases, and it's going to be part of your estate. Okay, so that's huge. Literally the last 20 years, the grantor trust has been the primary tool for uh, many, many uh, wealthy people to reduce their uh, exposure to the estate tax, and, and that will be eliminated if this provision passes. The next um, provision I want to talk about that also is not getting a lot of play is the um, basically the limitation on discounted valuations. So family limited partnerships essentially uh, have been used by again high net worth people to get a valuation discount for whatever reason in order to contribute those assets to a trust. So let's say you own um, you know, a business or you have a portfolio of stocks or bonds. You've generally been able to get a discount <clears throat> if it's a closely held partnership by contributing those assets uh, to a trust um, at a lesser value, right? That's the whole idea. You get a discount for the lack of marketability and minority interest. In this proposal, they basically define non-business assets as passive type, which for the pr production of collection of income. So you essentially... In other words, a family limited partnership or LLC and funding it with marketable securities, you're not going to be able to get this mark, this discounted value. You're still going to be able to get it uh, for closely held non-business, for closely held businesses uh, assets, um, but you're not going to be able to get it just for passive assets, um, which is a big thing because lots of, of tax planning has been centered around family limited partnership valuation discounts. There's even lots of case law on this. I remember as, as a tax attorney, this was like early 2000s, maybe 2004, 2005, did a lot of work on valuation discounts for family limited partnerships. It was really hot back then. Um, and there was some good case law out there, but this potentially, this will, will really uh, eliminate it um, for 
marketable um, securities, essentially non-business assets. Okay, so um, that's big. So again, just to recap, I know when it comes to estate tax, it's kind of complicated. Even for me as a, as a tax attorney, when I hear trusts and estate tax, get spooked a little bit. I'm like, oh man, I'm happy I'm not a trust and estate attorney. Now I know why I didn't do it. Um, but it's a really important um, you know, part of the tax code. Uh, grant your trust, again, the last 20 years has been a super important part of, of tax planning strategy for millions of Americans. Um, it's not just necessarily for the rich today. It's potentially for, as you develop wealth, um, a lot of people like to plan. So the grantor trust can still be used. It's just not going to be able to be used to get these assets out of your estate. So revocable grantor trusts, um, you know, are, could still be around. They're just not going to have as much value. But unified credit's coming down from 11.7 to 6.03. The elimination of the valuation discount for minority interest and lack of marketability for essentially passive assets, not business, is going to be removed. And then the ability to put assets into a grantor trust get it out of your estate, have the grantor individually pay the taxes on the grant, the trust income uh, is, is a huge tax planning tool and that's going to um, go away. Same with slats, which have become super popular way for a lot of small business owners to get um, some of their business wealth outside of the estate tax. So um, again, for most of us, it's not gonna matter, right? If you have an asset, if you have a state under 6 million bucks, you're not going to worry. There's no estate tax. And just to focus on this again, if you pass and you're married, you can have a hundred trillion dollar estate. It's not going to matter. You're going to pay zero estate tax. All that will go to your spouse. And then when your spouse passes, that's when the estate tax kicks in. And that's when you have to add up all your, um, the unified credits of death and see where you stand in terms of, uh, exposure to a 40% you know, estate tax. So a lot of people have been against the estate tax for many years saying, hey, the wealthy, well, I should say this. A lot of people have been against estate tax planning um, because they feel like the wealthy have, have had a workaround. This this tax is there, this 11.7 million exemption, but even though super rich never pay it because they have all these funds and trust, what's the point? This makes a lot of sense. We're getting rid of it. And yeah, I mean, it's a fair argument. And other people said, well, um, the estate tax doesn't make sense. It's a double tax. Why should we have it? It's too low. Maybe if you have 500 million bucks or a billion bucks, you should have to pay this tax at death. But for the person that worked hard, sold their business or you know saved and now has uh, 10 million bucks, um, it shouldn't be fair that they have to you know pay an additional tax. Again, I'm not here to argue the, the merits uh, of an estate tax. That's, that's not the point of this podcast. The point is, hey, if you have assets that are going to be worth uh, more than six million bucks or 12 million as a family next year, you have a few months or a few weeks maybe to do some estate planning. Talk to a trust and estates attorney. Um, find one. There's a lot of great ones. You can find one online. Ask a friend. Ask an accountant. Uh, your CPA, if you have one, will know a good trust and estates attorney. Talk to them. It's worth, you'll get a free consultation. It's worth spending 10, 15 minutes on the phone and saying, hey, this is what I got. I, I own this. I own that. This is where I think I'm going to be. I'm married. I'm not married. I got kids. I don't have kids. What do you think? Can I take advantage of any of the current tax planning tools or estate tax planning tools that may not be available in the next year? Um, and again, that's the point of this podcast. Just really want to make an emphasis on um, just pointing out issues that 
obviously in 15, 20 minutes, I can't give you a full um, you know, rundown of, of what you can potentially do to navigate these uh, provisions. Obviously, everyone's different, right? Everyone has different needs. Uh, some people may have uh, disabled children they need to worry about. People are more worried maybe about their current situation, what they are doing in the next 10, 20 years versus the estate tax in 50 years. And a trust and estates attorney can help you navigate that and get you into the best, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, the best solution that worked for you and your family. But what may work today may not work in three months or in five months or even in seven weeks. So it's worth the call today. Talk to a trust and estate attorney. It's important. Have the call. If, if you're in a good situation and, hey, like your estate's not going to be above the $6 million or the $12 million, if you're married, then, then maybe you're just going to sit tight and that's cool, but it's worth the call, right? It's better to know what, what you can do today versus you wake up in three months and like, oh my God, I wish I had this conversation back in um, October 2021. So make the call, have an opportunity to talk to a trust and estate attorney, see where you stand. Um, it, could, it could be super uh, beneficial. Listen, the rules of the rules are today, right? Even if you uh, think the, trust, the um, estate tax is fair and reasonable, that's your call. You can pay the tax or you can try to do what's legally available to do um, today because it potentially cannot be, will not be available next year. And that again, the exemption, unified credit lifetime exemption will go down from 11.7 per person, 6.03. Grant your trust uh, option for um, eliminating exposure of assets to estate trucks, um, slats, um, getting life insurance into irrevocable trusts may not be available by next year. And um, the family limited partnership valuation discounts for marketable securities for lack of marketability and minority interests may also not be around next year. So again, just some topics you, you probably may have not been thinking of, but I wanted to just bring them out. Um, yeah, I don't really do a lot of estate planning um, focus on my podcast because again, that's not my... Um, my strengths, but I did prepare. I spoke to a lot. I have a great trust and estate attorney. Spoke to him. Spoke to uh, my CPA. Spoke to uh, a few colleagues that you know helped me prepare for this podcast. So I feel like you know I'm super prepared. Understand what these provisions can do. What some opportunities um, are at least today. What exists today for um, estate planning. But go to an expert. Talk. If you're good, then you're good. But if you can do something today, then, then maybe it can save you some money or at least save your kids, right? It's not about you because when you pass and your wife or, or your husband, whoever the surviving spouse is, passes, the estate pays the tax, which means less money to your heir. So um, just something to keep in mind. Otherwise, um, that's it. Um, check, check me out next week. I'll give you another update as to um, where we stand on some of these other provisions, specifically the uh, retirement provisions. Um, again, I, I've been told it's, it's not a race, it's a marathon. So we're gonna, we're gonna take some time to um, you know, make sure our voice gets heard, but make sure the message resonates and uh, you know, we're not overburdening uh, members of Congress and senators, but we're giving them a chance to do their own work, understand um, the subject matter and um, you know, send us questions. So um, we, that's what we're going to do. We're going to sit tight, keep doing our thing. And I promise I'll uh, provide everyone an update uh, next week. Also, don't forget to check out my two other podcasts that drop um, one on Tuesday called AdBits, where uh, you'll get a bit of information on various self-directed retirement topics. Although I'm doing 
a lot of more general um, corporate tax topics uh, over the last month or so. So check that out. I think you'll find that interesting. Even if you're not super interested in self-directed retirement topics, uh, you're going to find some cool stuff on like C-Corp, S-Corp, partnerships, LCs, Schedule C, Schedule E, rental income, doing some stuff that um, could apply to um, you know all of us that even aren't focused on self-directed retirement investments. And then also AdMail, which is a great podcast where you can um, listen to three of the best questions of the week. And those do focus on self-directed IRAs, solo 401k. So um, check that out. Uh, that drops every Thursday. And you can check that out on YouTube or obviously wherever you check out your podcast, like Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, or, or anyone else. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for watching if you're doing so on YouTube. And I'll talk to everyone again next week. Take care.